Okay, so today we're continuing with our Unleashed series and we are looking at Unleashed people. So what is an Unleashed person or Unleashed people? It's all about togetherness. Unleashed people are together in unity. They are of one heart and mind. And they're people full of power, full of the Holy Spirit power. And they reach out to the lost. And that's unreached, uh, unleashed people. So imagine a community where everyone is so connected together. And they do so well to see each other every single day. People can be at the bus stop and do a phone call and say, I'm stuck at the bus stop. Can you pick me up? And somebody will show up. They love each other so much that they will go the extra mile to sell their possessions. They will be selling their lands. And in our modern day, if they've got Range Rover or jewelry or iPads, whatever is of value, they will sell it. And the money will go towards helping the needy in their community. And every time they meet, they will always praise the Lord, always attending services, full attendance for everything. And everything they did, they did it with great joy. They were not forced. Great joy, and you could actually see the happiness on their face. And that's actually what the early church looked like. So what we're going to do now is going to read an account of the early church, which is in Acts chapter 2, verse, 40, verse 42 to 47, and then Acts chapter 4, verse 32 to 37. And those will be our main verses for today. So I'll start with the first one, which is the fellowship of the believers. They, were devote, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor, the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are, were being saved. Acts 4 32 to 37, the believers share their possessions. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possession was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in all of them that there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So these verses are what happened when the early church received the Holy Spirit. The transformation of the Holy Spirit brought about in them new life. And one of the signs which we are going to look at today that was a sign of their new life that they received was love. They were so deeply in love with each other that they naturally came together in unity to fellowship every single day. 
they really set the bar high for us. Uh, verse 44 says, they were together. And this they were together wasn't something they, it wasn't like they, they, they were, the were together wasn't something that they did. They were, it was something that was them. So now we've seen the early church unity in action. We're now going to delve deep into why is fellowship? Why should we fellowship? And um, I came across a quote from John Wesley, and he expressed the importance of fellowship in this quote. It says, I want the whole church for my sake. I want the whole Christ for my savior, the whole Bible for my book, the whole church for my fellowship, and the whole world for my mission field. He wanted to fellowship with the entire church community. That's why fellowship was important to him. So why should we fellowship? Well, the first reason why we should fellowship is that it facilitates sharing. It allows us to share. So when we gather like this on a Sunday morning, it's an opportunity for us to share the word of God, share testimonies, and encourage each other in prayer, which is what we did earlier on in the prayer meeting. And in small groups, like the life groups, it allows us to have deeper connections with one another, build friendships, long-lasting friendships, study the word of God, and be there for each other. In small groups, you, can op- you should be, if you're not, be able to open up to others. When, when you go through struggles over the week, over the months, over the years, that is the place where you can share your life with others and others can input into your life and help you along the journey. Um, don't be afraid. There might be certain things you're going through that somebody already has been through it or going through the same thing. You can go through it together with the grace of God. So that's what um, small groups are there for. And also, fellowships like Connect Group are there for us to bring and share to meet our physical needs. You might be very surprised what um, bring and share does. I know a guy who absolutely cherishes small groups, um, Connect Lunches, um, because many years ago, when he was a student, he was always out of cash. And every time he heard about Connect Lunches or church fellowships that were doing food gatherings, he would always be there because those lunches helped him out. And when we look at Acts chapter 4, we read that they shared everything to the point that there were no needy persons amongst them. The second reason why we should fellowship is because of fellowship creates an atmosphere for the manifestation of the power of God. And what does that mean? Well, when we are together, God is there. And when we're not together, when we're in disunity, God distanced himself from us. So if we're not in fellowship, if we're not united together, God is not there. And this is um, seen in Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, where the Bible tells us, where two or three are gathered as my followers, I am among them. So when we gather like this, it's an opportunity for God to be in our midst. And when he's in our midst, his power is manifested. So it's an environment for him to manifest. And on the other hand, if we're busy fighting, not loving each other, not feeling any connection, we will not be gathering in his name and we will miss the opportunity for God to move in our midst. We won't see his power manifested. And it's even true for family life. So a family can come together, pray together, and be able to seek God's face and see the manifestation of God. But on the other hand, if that same family are in conflict, 
they won't see the manifestation of God. They will miss it. And that is, uh, we can see um, the Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, it tells us that if a husband and wife are in conflict, the prayers of the husband will be hindered. So for some of you husbands who are in this room, if your prayers are not being answered, you know what to do. Um, the third reason why we should fellowship is, is an opportunity for us to share our unique gifts and talents. So in the service today, um, the band, we saw multiple musical talents and singing going on. Um, there's somebody at the back there operating the PA, Leo and another guy there, um, operating the PA system. We also have teachers and volunteers, though we always need more of them, helping with our youth and our children. And let's not forget our welcoming team and those who make us tasty tea and coffee. These are all opportunities where we can use our gifts and talents to serve God and to serve one another. So don't hold back on your talent. Another reason why we should fellowship is the Bible tells us iron sharpens iron. Um, Proverbs chapter 27 verse 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Fellowship provides us a place where we can grow in our faith and find support. Within fellowship, godly fellowship, if you're going through some, something, you can guarantee that you will get godly counsel and advice when we stay in fellowship. We rub off each other, but hopefully for the better. Coming together makes us better and stronger in our walk with God. We can inspire each other. We can deeper understand the Bible from um, discussing that with each other. Um, there are some people in our fellowship group that are a bit more experienced, and we can learn from them as well. And in that way, we'll be living and pleasing God. God does instruct us to be in fellowship with one another, to be in unity with one another. And he himself is in unity. So fellowship is essential for our spiritual growth. And lastly, fellowship, true fellowship, is a hallmark of a healthy church. So a healthy church is not just about the number of people who attend, but how deep and how authentic is the fellowship within the congregation. A church, fellowship, a church that truly fellowships is where everyone is united, helping each other and working to fulfill God's mission, not just our own missions. So now we've looked at why we should fellowship. It is important to know that there are things that block us from fellowshipping. And we need to know what they are and how to overcome those. So the first one is busy. We're all very busy sometimes. So all the weekly meetings, prayer meetings, midweek live groups, and other activities that the church puts on, like the barbecue, hopefully there'll be no rain next year, but all of those are there to bring us together to fellowship. However, sometimes, because of the busyness of life, errands, work, TV, whatever it is, when it's time for those, there's no room available for Jesus. We don't have time to be at prayer meeting. We don't have time to be at Kenneth Lunch. We are fully booked. And oops, we've accidentally have left no time for the things of God. There's no little time. There's no time or little time for genuine fellowship. We've, and what we've actually done is accidentally left Jesus out of our calendars. We can be so easily caught up with things. And then what you might notice is December arrives. And when December arrives, is the end of the year. That's one year gone. Before you know it's two years, 10 years, 20 years. And what have we done? We really haven't connected with anybody, nor have we done anything to advance the kingdom of God. So today, my, my 
message for you today is that we need to reevaluate our priorities. We really should be asking Jesus what needs to go in our schedule, not start the year with what we want to do and then well, when it's time to do a prayer meeting, for example, or a Christmas lunch that brings us all together, there's no room in our calendar for Jesus. We need to make room for the Lord. The second thing that blocks fellowship is self-centered agendas. And sometimes we do this without even knowing. We will come together and everything we say, everything we do is really centered about what we want and what we think is important, not what God thinks is important. So we need to be very careful that when we come together to fellowship, that our main focus is what God wants and how we can help to grow his kingdom. Third one um, is cultural or social differences can sometimes become fellowship blockers. And sometimes it can be fellowship enablers as well. But in terms of the fellowship blockers, um, I'll share with you um, a story about how I discovered the taste of mayonnaise especially the taste of mayonnaise on chips. So what I used to do when I was in secondary school, I would save some of my lunch money. You better not tell my dad about this, but I'll save some of my lunch money. Rather than put it on my smart card, it goes in my bag somewhere. Ready for after school, myself and my friends would go to chip shops and buy some chips. And I always used to have ketchup on my chips. But there was one particular day where I was just curious enough to squeeze a little bit of mayonnaise on my chips. I tasted it and lo and behold, it tasted so delicious, my preference changed for the better. The rest is history. But you might be wondering, what's mayonnaise got to do with being uh, fellowship blockers or anything I've said today? Well, I did some research and mayonnaise actually contains things that don't get along in their natural state. And those things are oil and water. So if you've done a bit of experiment in your house, if you try to mix oil and water together, they will separate. You can try all you can, they will go back to where they were. So oil will go to one side and water will go to the other side. The only reason water and oil to co can come together is the process uh, of emulsification. And what emulsification does is it brings things that haven't got the ability to connect and it brings them together. So to make mayonnaise for Susanna, uh, egg is introduced to the solution. So the, man, uh, the egg is actually what uh, scientists call emulsifying agent. What that does is it holds together, it grabs water on one side, grabs oil on one side, and it holds them tightly together. And it's the same with us. In our natural habitats from wherever we've come from, whatever we are, whatever personality we are, we sometimes don't get along naturally. And it is the Holy Spirit who is like the egg who brings us together and holds us together to focus on what God wants us to do and to reach out to the lost. I'll tell you a story as well. So once upon a time, there was two devout Christians, John and Mary. And they were really known in their community for their unwavering faith. First to be at church, first to stand up for God everything. They were dedicated also to their church community, but they had a disagreement, a fundamental part of their faith. They couldn't decide on whether to serve coffee in the church service. So what the issue was, John firmly believed that coffee, serving coffee in the church service was a complete distraction and it had no room in the sacred place of the church. He argued 
to um, Mary, Mary, we're here to worship the Lord, not sip lattes. Coffee can lead us astray from the spiritual essence of the church service. But Mary, on the other hand, um, couldn't see herself being in Sunday service without drinking her cup of coffee. So she opposed what John said and said, John, coffee helps me stay awake and alert during the service. I can focus better on the service with my coffee. So what I've just illustrated is, even within our church community, we can have disagreements. It can be disagreements about um, decisions about the church. It can be disagreements about theological differences or personal dispute. Whatever it is, that can happen in the church, and we need to be very careful about that. We even see, we just read a good account of Acts chapter 2, where the believers were in great unity. However, by Acts 15, they had questions of their own, disagreements of their own that they had to resolve. So when disagreements arise within us, we need to make it a priority to resolve it quickly and in a godly matter. We are all called to be in one heart and one mind for God's kingdom. And that should be our priority. When we start focusing on that, we realize that whatever we're fighting about, the coffee or whatever, is really of no use. And maybe we can strike a halfway balance. We don't do the coffee during the service. We do it after the service, which we already do. So um, we've looked at um, the early church devotion with uh, fellowship, and we've looked at things that stop us from fellowshipping. But one of the questions that I felt that God was asking us is how deep is our fellowship? So we, we, sometimes we can easily come together. But how deep, how authentic is our fellowship? And to help us to evaluate that, I want us to ask ourselves five questions that the early church did to help us think about how deep are we in terms of fellowship. So where were they together? Where were the early church together? They were everywhere, in the temples and also in their homes. We're told that they, they started meeting in the temples and because they couldn't get enough of each other, they were in each other's homes. It's like doing church on Sunday morning and then we're doing life group the next. The next question we need to think about is, when do they meet? The Bible tells us they met every day, constantly, daily. They were practical joined to the hip. And as I was thinking about that, I was um, uh, thinking about you know, our own situations. When it comes to meeting, when are we meeting? You won't find apostles in Acts 2 telling people, why don't you come to Connect Lunch? Why don't you come to prayer meeting? In fact, they couldn't stop the people if they tried. The people naturally wanted to be together. They naturally wanted to come together in unity and fellowship. And um, something I pointed on was, in the early church, regular life, they saw that as an interruption to what they were doing. But for some of us now, church activity or anything to do with fellowship together is seen as an interruption to our lives. And it's become so normal that sometimes we can take a break from church. And that's a challenge for me and for all of us. Third question is, why were they like that? Why were they really into fellowshipping with each other? That fellowship was everything for them. Well, I, think, I thought about it and I think it's like, it's like a baby. So when a baby is born, the baby if they're alive, they would naturally cry. It's a natural response to life. So why were people so glued and so desirable, loving each other so much that they wanted to come together? It's 
it's a response to the new life that they received when the Holy Spirit came upon them. It, it was their response, and it was like a sign of the new life they received. It was the love. That was the love that came out of the new life that they received. They naturally wanted to be together. When they were together, they were sharing Jesus. So we don't come together for the sake of coming together. We come together to unite and share Jesus with others. So I was born into a Christian family, and uh, I gave my life to Jesus when I was very young. But uh, somewhere down the line in my mid-teens, I went a bit off track. But there was a particular moment where I rededicated my life to Jesus again. And what I saw happen was everybody around me, my friends that were close to me, were either rededicating their life to Jesus or giving their life to Jesus for the very first time. And when we went through that process, what we naturally then did was we wanted to tell everybody about God. So before, we wouldn't be talking about God in our classrooms, but all of a sudden, when we rededicate our lives to Jesus, that's all we wanted to do, to the point that we decided to build a website. During that time, there was no Facebook, but if you had a website, people were surfing the web. It was when Ask Jeeves and the rest were there. So everybody was now into the web. So we thought the website would be how we can tell everybody about Jesus and tell all our friends to go on those websites to read. So every day we would meet and uh, either we meet or have a phone call to discuss what articles we were going to write on this website. And uh, we didn't have money um, to buy a website domain and put a website out there, but we found a, a free website builder, and we built this website, and we called that website Gospel Truth. We were so serious about telling the whole world about Jesus that we didn't even sugarcoat the name of that website. It was just as it was, Gospel Truth. So let's come to the fourth question as to how deep the early church devotion to fellowship was. Who came together? So Acts chapter 2, verse Five says, there were people from every nation. Every culture was there. Every race was there. Every class was there. Every personality was there. People who were loud, people who were too quiet, people who were reserved, people who just did nothing, and people who did everything. They were all there. They all came together. And lastly, what did they do when they came together, which is very important for our message today? It's not just about coming together. It's what we're doing when we come together. Every time they came together, and we're told they came together in large groups, in small groups, they did virtually the same four things throughout those groups. They were studying the word of God. They were fellowshipping. In that fellowshipping, they were sharing. They were breaking bread to remember the Lord Jesus who would die for them. And they were praying. So these four things they were doing every single time they met. And it's a challenge for us. When we meet, what do we do? So as a church today and as a family today, I think those questions are valid, uh, valid questions for us to think about. These are the things that the early church did, and it made them grow and sustain themselves over many years with the help of the Holy Spirit. And today is our turn. What are we going to do to keep the church alive. So the church isn't just us, it's the whole body of Christ. What are we going to do to keep all of us alive in terms of spreading the gospel? What are we going to do to stay together? And what are we going to do to keep the church going? So I'll remind you of the questions again that we need to think about is, 
When we are to, where are we together? Where are we together? And when do we meet together? What do we do when we meet together and why? So we've looked at why fellowship was important to the early church and why it is important to us now. How deep was their fellowship and what we can learn from the early church today. So I want us to pause for a moment and think about where we are with fellowship. Individually, how much do you desire fellowship? Are you devoted to fellowship with each other? Is there availability in your schedule for Jesus? When you start the beginning of the year, what are you thinking about? And when we come together, whose agenda is it? Are we always on track with whose agenda it should be? Sometimes we might slip away. Father, give us a touch. Give us a touch of what the early church had. Give us the desire, Lord, to be in fellowship, to be together in unity. Lord, as I've been praying all this week about this message and about what you want us to be focusing on. Lord, when we look at our lives, are there evidence of your new life, of your fellowship, of your love that we're supposed to have with each other? Are there evidences of our lives that we desire to be together, that we long to share our lives, that we come together to reach to the lost? We're not called to be reaching the lost on our own. We're called to work together. And together we can achieve more. So Lord, we want that. We want to come together in unity with one heart and one mind to reach out to the lost. Lord, fill us afresh with your new life, your new love for each other, that we would actually come together. We won't be told to come together, but because of our love for you and our love for each other, we would naturally be where we need to be, doing what we need to do for your kingdom. Lord, forgive us for the time that we focused on what we want to do, where we've been astray, slipped a little bit, not thinking about what really matters. And what really matters, Lord, is spreading your gospel, creating an atmosphere that will draw many to you. Forgive us, Lord. Help us to focus on your kingdom thing. The Lord, when we come together as a church, as the whole body of Christ, Lord, we put aside our differences. And that even with our differences, we know that you made us different to have different unique abilities to serve together for your kingdom. Some of us are talented with singing. Some of us are talented in playing musical instruments. Some of us are very hospitable. 
We, we can be on the welcoming team. We're all very different. Some of us think in different ways. And those ways are not to drive us apart, but to bring us together. Let us see the beauty of diversity. Let us see the beauty of coming together from different backgrounds, different personalities. But Lord, when we come together, may we focus on you. Because in focusing on you, we use our strength. We use our strength to reach out to the lost. Lord, as we leave here today, may we have in our minds all the time, Lord, we are called to love you and to love others and to reach out to the lost. That reaching out to the lost is not something that we're going to leave to the end of the year or by the end of the year we remember that, oh, no, we haven't even led anybody to Jesus. That reaching out to be to the lost will be every single day in our mind, that we would long to desire to be together every single day. Father, help us. Help us as we seek to go deeper in our fellowship. Help us as we seek to be together in unity as your body. And help us to be of one heart and one mind. In your mighty name, Jesus, amen.